Hello everybody and welcome to Conversations Over Coffee. In this episode, I interview Noah Stratton-Twine, who is a director and a filmmaker, and also a great friend of mine. I've known Noah for nearly three and a half years, and it's been an absolute pleasure to work with him on some of his short films. These include Clown Story, Cadabra, I Want It Back, and Young Young Men. In this podcast, we discuss the process behind making short films. We talk about music, filmography, screenwriting, poster design, some of Noah's main inspirations, and some of his favourite films of all time. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy this episode. Hello, Noah. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Hello, Sam. Thank nice you for having me back. Yeah, um, awesome. I know over a, probably about two years ago we did a podcast actually. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was the first like joint podcast that I'd done with somebody. Yeah. And we, we rambled on for about an hour and a half, I think. So yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll try and keep this one a little bit <laughs> closer to time. Yeah. Um, I guess the first thing that I just want to chat to you about is like sort of taking it back to the beginning of your filmmaking journey. Um, how did you initially get started in making films? Um, well, I was always into the arts. Um, and I sort of, from a young age, I knew that I wanted to be a sort of um, Swiss army knife. You know, like I wanted to, if I was going to do something in an artistic field that I wanted to be kind of decent enough at it. So I started off doing uh, just drawing, illustrations, doodling, and that moved to music and then, um, you know, playing uh, piano. Uh, and then I did singing for a bit and I did performing arts uh, and dance. And then I progressed uh, and did graphic design. And I got to a point where I had all these sort of this artistic umbrella and I realized that film encapsulates all of them because I can do my graphic design by making posters. I can do soundtrack with the, with the compositions that I was already doing, um, illustrations for storyboards, um, performing arts for um, both acting and directing. And yeah, and it just seemed really fascinating to me. And then I took a media course uh, back in secondary school and uh, that we were tasked just to make a short film and I took it really seriously. I took it above everything else. And I, because like I said, if I was going to do something, I wanted to be at least, you know, above competent at it. I wanted to sort of be like, not like show off, but I wanted to be like, listen, I'm, I'm trying to take this as seriously as possible. Mm. And I made a short film and it was well received and it got a good grade and that was it. I just thought, right, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm never going to stop because I found it now. You mm. know, I yeah. was lucky at that point that I was young enough to be like, right, okay. I don't have to scramble around anymore and between all these different kind of cobweb-like artistic areas. I, I can just go into film and do all of them at the same time. I think what you just said there about um, taking things seriously at school it was interesting. Um, I definitely found that was the case for me in terms of photography. It's like if you take it for a subject people tend to like not take it very seriously. Yeah, exactly. So I sort of understand your frustration at like wanting to take a subject seriously and turn it into a career yeah. when a lot of school isn't like oriented around that. It's just about like any grade. Specifically the arts. I mean, yeah. everyone takes, well, I'm in secondary school, the arts were taken if you were a little bit out there as a character or you wanted an easy grade. Um, but in fact, the arts are even harder to grade because it's, there's a weird bias between the marking. You can't, uh, for example, in like graphic design, how are you supposed to judge that? Because one examiner might like it, they might see something in it, and the other might go, well, that's just a bunch of colours and shapes. So I think, yeah, it was just, you know... <laughs> Which a lot of people have managed to turn into a career. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, it was just, you know, thinking, right, okay, I, I if I really like... I mean, the, like... The, the subject itself, they weren't exactly nourishing. They weren't exactly really pushing us and for, for big stuff. But I thought, you know, 
they, they're asking me to make a film. Um, I'm proficient enough, I think, in these areas back when I was, you know, I think I was only like 15, 16. And when I started, and I was like, yeah, well, I'll just, I'll just do it. So was that through the traditional like English education system then? Yeah. So GCSEs? Yeah, it was GCSE Media Studies. And um, we did the film, we had a film course at our, um, at our secondary school, but then they took it away for the year that I went in because they thought there's no point. Nobody wants to do just film and we can, we can mesh the media course and the film course together. So naturally as well, we had to make, to complement our, our final product, we had to supply posters and like magazine covers, which I, again, it leans into the graphic design bit, which hence why I, I it sort of bolstered my young sort of academic ego at that point because I was like, right, women that say, right, okay, I can do this kind of good film, but he's not going to be able to do it like a poster as well or a, or a magazine spread. And I was like, well, yeah, this is what I love to do. So, so like you said, it. becoming like a Swiss army knife. Yeah, exactly. I, and that, I, I love that term. I think, I think we've discussed this before with becoming uh, oh, yeah. a Swiss army knife. Yeah. Um, I think a me. lot of people take it for granted being able to do a making the film, mm. designing the poster mm. and distributing it. Yeah. Um, we'll, we will come on to that later. That, that, those are some of my points I want to discuss later. Mm-hmm. Um, we both go to the same university. We do. And we have done for the past uh, too long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to like get your opinion on what it's like being at university. And if you think... I know there's that big thing in America where it's like film school. Like, mm-hmm. do you have to go to film school? Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah, you have to go to university? I think... The- there's definitely an agenda against film school because there are people who've dropped out of school and become incredible directors and George Lucas and Spielberg. And there's people who have gone to film school um, who've succeeded very well, like Sean Baker and Barry Jenkins. And so it's like a double-sided coin, but I mean, it's definitely what you put in is what you're going to kind of get out of it. So for example, the place that we go to, which will remain unnamed, but the place that we go to, it's a wide arts university. It's not a film school, um, even though some people call it that because it's a cool term, saying I go to film school. It sounds really arty. But it's a wide course. And if you go there and expect a diploma to sort of warrant a successful filmmaking career, it's not the place it's for you. It's it's useful for, for facilitating uh, the sort of networked connections that you're going to make. For example, me and you, uh, yeah. most of the people that I crewed up with, uh, you know, it's it was especially for us specifically, which is in London, and we both come from the south, so it, it's it's an excuse to kind of be in the city and be where these like your photography and film, like it's a it's a great hub for it. So, yeah, uh, for film specifically, I just it, it depends what kind of area you really want to go into because then a lot of film courses specialize in theory and a lot know a lot of people are sort of against that um i think it's essential really to be able to justify um it, it, it your work and it's the same of watching old films i think that if people worry about writing an essay on film um i think it's no different in that than watching kind of like a film from the, the 60s or 70s yeah mm, interesting that's um, like talking about getting a diploma to show what you've been able to achieve. Yeah, that's never going to work, is it? It's I, like we were talking about this just before we started recording, and talking about like if you turn up to a, a board meeting and you're pitching a film to board of directors or trying to secure some investment, they're not really going to want to see 
the dissertation that you wrote in third year. No, no. They're going to want to see your work. No, it's just a you know, like your diploma, as much as it's it's brilliant in other fields, I think it's, for the arts, it's quite difficult because it's not, everyone gets the same kind of bit of paper. The, the grades will be different, um, but you, it's, it's, it's just a sheet of paper. And every year, there's another whole wave of people getting a similar bit of paper. It's all about, it's sort of like, in the old days when people would say, oh yeah, you go and hand in your CV yourself in the mm. place. You show up and you say, this is my CV and I'm ready whenever. Nowadays, it's, there's a million different websites to go through it and they can see your profile, they can Google your name. It's, it's, it's the same thing. You need visual stuff. You need portfolios and, and showreels for film. And if you expect to be your whatever artistic ability to be judged on just a piece of paper, then it's not... You know, it yeah. sort of juxtaposes the whole point of the craft. So when we talk about turning up to an interview or to a pitch yeah. and you've got work to show, this is going to lead me on to my next point. And this is why this podcast is just good radio. to, listen yeah. to. Um, <laughs> Creating personal work is, for me, number one priority yeah. when it comes to keeping myself creative and you know, finding inspiration things. We, we've made a couple of things together. Um, you've asked me to come along to do behind the scenes and create promo material for some of your films, which would you consider that personal work? It's self-funded. It's like you, you are working with a team, but you've come up with the concept. Yeah, um, oh, absolutely. Not necessarily for like university courses or for film festivals or anything, like, but you've just gone out and made it yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely. I think like you were saying with the previous point about, about going to university and I think if you expect as well these film schools to just it's just like make films make films make films you know no if you think you're going to come out of university with enough of a showreel of just university products which are still under a brief they're loose briefs but they're still under briefs like make a for example for me it was you know make a film with a twist or make a one-shot film or make a you know these were the sort of briefs that we were set and it, you need to show potential employers that you're willing to go outside extracurricular and do it yourself. And yeah, that does, especially in film, it does mean a lot of money going into it, which people, some people don't have. And, but especially in these days, it's becoming cheaper and cheaper to make films. So I think if you're not kind of going out there and experimenting yourself and expecting the sort of the curriculum that you're under to do it for you, then I think, I think it's going to be quite difficult for you to adjust on what it's about. Because even when you're going into the industry and I can't pretend that like I'm in the industry. I'm not. I just pretend I know a lot about it, but it's, you know, it's, it's because I, at the end of the day, I am just a sort of run and gun filmmaker, really. Um, if you could even call me that, but I'm sorry to even lose my point here, but it, do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a, of a, of a, of a skew with position because if, if, if when you are in this kind of industry, you're still having to run around to different producers and pitch them your ideas. And sometimes that can take years. You still have to meet with these actors in coffee shops and persuade them just because you're on a, you know, working for Warner brothers doesn't mean it's any different. There's still a grind. If anything, there's even more of one because now your entire career depends on it. So with short films, you can sort of make them like personal ones and then bounce back. You know, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it didn't, nobody really saw it. I'm just going to make another one and it's going to be better in terms of, you know just the the knowledge that you've obtained from the from the last one so it, i think it's the most crucial thing personally. and it's like you, you can experiment whilst you're doing it and you're not on somebody else's payroll whilst you're doing it so you can totally. you can 
do slightly out out there yeah. concepts. Totally. Um, could you just talk me through the process of creating a short film? Because yeah. I, I, when we've worked together, I turn up on the day yeah. um, and take a couple of behind the scenes pics and yeah. then take the actors aside for half an hour and get some promo material, yeah. which then you somehow turn into these beautiful posters as well, yeah. I must say. God bless you, sir. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we will be talking about your poster design later. Um, the, the back end of that, I have no idea what goes on. So okay. screenwriting, coming up with the, the crew and the cast. Yeah. What, could you just give me some insight into that? Okay, yeah. Um, I'll be brief because this is something that I could talk for eons about. But uh, yeah, it starts with, for me personally, everyone's process is different. And you could go on for lengths about the writing process by itself. And there's a, if you just type in screenwriting on YouTube, you'll get about 50,000 how to start screenwriting, how to stop writer's block and all that. Uh, for me, usually I write sort of five or six short films a year. Um, usually in the summer because it's, it's nice I can sit outside and I can think and the world seems better in, in summer so it feels more encouraging it definitely does to write as especially much as, in London yeah definitely <laughs> so like as much as the aesthetic of sitting in a little coffee shop with your little typewriter or anything like that sounds nice to write your script it's, it's, it's not very encouraging so I usually write sort have of have you five. ever used a typewriter? no <laughs> I'd love to <laughs> I'd love to and even like the it's weird because the, the formatting for scripts um, the font used is is the same font or just typeface used in typewriters, which is it's just maintained over the years, which is just interesting but to me. But I don't understand that font either. Why is that? The it's like Courier is what they call it. Courier, Courier New. Yeah. Or American Typewriter, which is the new trendy one. Um, why, why is that the thing? I don't is, know. Is it just is? I don't know. I think it's just sort of... I've got no idea. I, I wish I knew more about typefaces. It looks cool. It looks cool, It looks yeah. professional. It does, yeah. It looks like a formal <laughs> sort of... Mm, decoded document almost yeah I, I suppose uh and maybe there's probably science behind how it's very easy to read quickly or something like that but yeah i write this the sort of scripts and then i come to the root that one of the hardest parts with it which is choosing which one i want to do because it's not just a right i'll make that one because i like it better it's right i like this one but it's going to be incredibly expensive to do um it's a large scale do i want to go for my second favorite which is all set in one place and i could do it over two days so there's that decision to make and you've really got to trust your script and I'm sure you can understand it's like the, the, the sort of the artiste's curse, you know what I mean? Like where you, you do something and if you dwell on it for too long, you'll start to despise it. So with scripts, yeah. you'll write it and you'll say, goodness, like, this, is, this is fantastic. And then you'll look at it a week later and go, I'm the worst person in the world. This is awful. This is just a disgrace to my portfolio. So you've got to be careful. Then you've also got to check on yourself and be like, no, 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 if you liked it a week ago, there's probably some bits in it that are good. So you work on that process. So I write something, then I take a month and then I revisit it with fresh eyes and I know what I'm going to change. And then I take another month and then I come back to it and then I change it even more. And it's sort of, you know, as you, as you grow as a, a person, really, you sort of just start to understand things a bit clearer and you can change stuff with the script. And then you sort of lock a semi-finished script and you're like, right, this is something that I can send to people. And the first thing you really do is get a producer involved. Because um, it's quite hard to come by, you would think. Uh, and then, again, it's people of similar age as well. So it's it's sort of like a, I help you, you help me sort of thing. And then you return, you message people who you've worked with before, i.e. you or, um, you know, my cinematographer, Toby, who I just sort of say, look, I'm doing another one. Do you want to get involved? And he says, yes. So that's kind of sorted. You get the heads of department sorted and the first assistant director. And, and you keep working on the script and then you set out like a calendar plan of, right, um, 
because I'm in pre-production at the moment for some things. This is quite familiar to me uh, at the moment. Uh, so you have the script and then you start breaking it down logistically. So how many days can we shoot this? How many lines does each character have? Does this character have enough screen time to warrant me asking for an audition for them? Because some actors are like, well, I'm only in the film for a little bit. So what's the point in, in, in getting me? So you have to sort of leverage between that and uh, then you uh, maybe headhunt a few talents, some actors that you've worked with before. You just mm -hmm. message them saying, would you like to read the script? Um, you send the script to people you know or trust, screenwriters or um, sort of people you know in the industry that you respect just to get their opinion on it. And it might not be the right stuff because it's like, oh, everything is, everyone sees it differently. You've got to stick to your guns, but you just get an opinion because they might point out a valuable critique. And then you contact the actors, you start casting, you start breaking down um, uh, into, into beats, into a, like a beat sheet. Uh, and then you go through the script and you highlight every prop, you highlight every uh, actor when they're introduced, every bit of clothing, um, every stunt, every effect, every sound effect, uh, everything where something might be a little bit difficult to do. So you highlight it, you make like a big script breakdown of every, like a page per every scene. And then I suppose it's just a slow process, like storyboards, and you're just kind of getting everything together and you're starting to see the film less creatively, but, and you're, but you're seeing it more possible. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, okay, I can do this. You start doing location recce's, um, you go out, view loads of places, and then you start to see the film differently because you see it in your head at first. For example, I'm working on a film at the moment that's set in a park and I imagined it to be set in a park where I'm from, back in West Sussex. And now that I visited a, the, a, a, a London park, I'm now seeing the film completely differently. And when I originally wrote the characters, I saw them as, you know, notable actors maybe, but now I'm seeing them as the people who I've, I've cast. So it, it, it's constantly evolving. And then it just sort of, the pressure gets more and more. You start to lose nights of sleep as the days get closer. You settle the dates in. You start to assemble the schedule, um, which is so important, especially for short films, because no one's a professional. And at the same time where things can be done and you can be more creative if you're running out of time, it's going to cost you so much. You know, if you want it, if you don't get everything shot, which thankfully has never happened to me, if you don't get everything shot, you question like, okay, we need another day. That's going to move everything around me to call mm, these locations. Yeah. And it feels a bit like, oh God, we're in over our head. And then, yeah, then I suppose you just, you get to it, you have rehearsals with the actors and you, um, it's, it's, it's the same thing for every film, but for short films, it's just a little bit smaller scale and there's, a, there's quite a bit of pressure on it because it's, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, you don't know if you're going to be able to afford to do another one for a while. Mm, so you really yeah. need to make a statement and then you shoot the film. Hopefully that goes smoothly. I never remember any of my shoots because um, it's just such a rush. <laughs> it's such a blur when you yeah, it come to the end of the day. Like, yeah, people are saying, oh, that was really funny what you said on that thing. I'm like, I don't remember even us talking because <laughs> it's weird because you have a real relationship because you're, you're friends with the people on the set, but you're also telling them what to do. And it's this weird sort of, you know, I remember the film that we shot in the church um, oh, yeah. many years ago and uh, I was one of the actors was my godfather and I found it really difficult to direct him because I'm like I respect you you're my godfather I've known you since I was you know so young um, so it's weird having to talk to them. <laughs> just run around going cut yeah. your sheet yeah, <laughs> yeah you gotta, you gotta get it together get yeah. it together and not like he was doing anything wrong he was brilliant um, but it's just difficult just like the smaller things like can you just move your head over there because we're, we're losing you in the frame yeah. and it's like awkward but as the shoots get, as I do more of them, they get sort of more, I guess, professional-ish because, you know, it's, it's just natural. And 
yeah, and then you do the film and then you shoot it and then you take a, a week off, two weeks off. I don't look at the footage at all for a while. Um, and then you just start editing like crazy. I mean, at the moment, I haven't gone for another editor. I'm going too soon. But I've already edited my own stuff because I think it's my short and I know what it is. So, and if I'm competent enough at editing, I might as well give it a go. And and then you edit it and then you ship it to, you, you export it and then you render it like, I'm sure you understand, like 50 times, you're like final, 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 version three, yeah. final, final, <laughs> final, final, final. And you do that. And then you're sort of semi-happy with it. I have a folder when I have like exports and then I have a folder underneath that's like final exports. Oh God, and not, you should see the export folder. It's I'm not even that organised. I've just got like a dodgy folder. It's just got about <laughs> 90 of them. When I'm uploading it to Vimeo or something, I'm like, which one is it? Like, I've got no idea. And there's also a crucial part sound design, which takes the longest, yep. um, which I do with my good friend Connor. Shout out to him. And we spend ages going through the Foley for every little movement. We recreate um, every, uh, in some of my films, has been slapped around the face. Every slap is like us slapping each other around the and face. you do that in post. You do that after you've Yeah, we just it. sit in Connor's little computer room and we just sort of Slap hit each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And record <laughs> it and go, now we'll do it. I remember for the, for the uh, I Want It Back one that you run as yeah. well, um, there's a slap in that. <laughs> and I just kept on hitting myself. I was like, no, we can do a better one. I want it to be crisper. And, you know, was, yeah, bloodied. Yeah, 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 it's getting to a point to a broken pulp. nose. Yeah, like. eyeball hanging out. And I was just like, no, 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 I can do a better one. And then we do that. Then you score it. Some films need a composed score. Some I can just buy the rights to a song. Uh, it depends what kind of mood I want. A lot of short film scores are like ambient because mm-hmm. you can't have a bombastic score for everything. Because in short films, you depict moments rather than big sort of narrative arcs. They sort of just depict smallish sort of intimate uh, sequences. And then, yeah, you, you, you ship it off to festivals and you just, fingers crossed, and then you just release it. And that usually takes, for me, sort of like a nine-month nine month to a year process. That's crazy. That's such a long time to get a project from start to finish. Yeah, a lot of it is the writing stage. It's sort of like, yeah. if, it's, if we're talking about 12 months, it's sort of, and people can do it. I've done films in quicker turnarounds, but I prefer maturing with the project as well. Specifically the one that we did in the summer, um, The Coming of Age, uh, Young Young Men, it was called. And uh, that was something that, because I was depicting my own sort of upbringing, I wanted to sort of mature with the script like I wrote Young Young Men about four or five years ago and it's adapted since then obviously because when I wrote four or five years ago I was I was you know pretty shit at writing I couldn't really you know I was looking back at it, like god but I could work on it because the ideas were there and I wanted to mature with it so that Young Young Men was two years altogether but then you know we only shot over you spend two years in pre-production or not that but you spend a lot of time pre-production and then you shoot for two days it's, it's like weird and it's so done you don't even remember the shoot and it's done that's crazy. Yeah, That's it's a weird thing. Because when you flip it on its head, when you see now with the the, the new age of social media yeah. and YouTube, um, when you see people who are like a filmmaker in their bio mm. and they're like turning a project around within like a week, mm. and then you hear what you've just done, which is like a twelve month process, and these people are just putting out like one hundred twenty frames a second B roll. Mm. Um, it sort of puts it all into perspective and when you see that you've put so much effort into a film and it's so good, it sort of puts everything else like to shame in a way. Yeah. And I think they're definitely two sides of a coin and they both have their uses. But I I have a, a newfound like 
appreciation for the amount of work that goes into creating short films. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day about like indie films um, and guessing people like, you know, Ryan Gosling was really into like the um, indie film scene mm-hmm. when he was like starting out. I know he's a big time actor. Yeah. Um, films like Drive, for example. Mm, Plays Beyond the Pines. Mm. And it's just like they, they must have that same appreciation that I do when you step up from like short indie films onto like big cinema films there's another leap for them. Mm-hmm. So I think putting everything into, I've sort of lost my, my flow of thought, <laughs> but like I'm just sort of going with it and like the, the thought process behind the, the steps in each <clears throat> separate industry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's intriguing. I think the line is definitely being like what you were saying about um, sort of social media and stuff. I think with the rise of cameras becoming better and more accessible and, you know, you got... I don't even know what, like, can phones shoot 4K now? Is that, yeah, so it's, the line is being blurred between, you know, someone can spend a year on something, a a short film, and they just, you know, they love the story, et cetera, then someone um, films sort of, like, a few friends, uh, like a sort of narrative thing of their friends going skateboarding um, in South Bank, and that South Bank film can be better, you know, and, and it's usually the case because people are enjoying it more, but, it's because short films exist in this weird like, plane of existence where you don't see them in the cinema. So people go to the cinema to watch these stories, but when you're on social media, you want to see, you know, it's designed to be quick, flashy stuff that catches your attention for 10, 15 seconds. And these people are doing that kind of stuff with the snappy editing, like the new kind of the travel videos, you know, and it's all like around Hungary or stuff like that. That's what entertaining when you've got short films. It's like, who's talking about the hot air balloon film? Oh, the... There's the Vaughn and Vimeo, I think. The, the, oh, I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember the guy who made it, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like, is it really? Transitions it's great. It's like for days the kind of thing. birds flocking and, yeah. and like the sound design is incredible on it. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, and that's like a, a, a part of, of, of film. And then you've got these short narrative films which people watch online. No one's got really an incentive to watch them. And even though they're free, you know, outside of film festivals, who really cares about, you know, watching a short film? Some people do. I do, um, up and coming filmmakers do, but it, yeah, it's a weird market. It's a strange, it's a strange thing. But for me, it's not discouraging because I love doing it, and I always have, and that's my ethos. I just kind of keep doing it and never stop. Hopefully, because I'll, you you make films because you love it. You yeah, I don't do it. I don't do it for the. Why not? Yeah, like some of my films on Vimeo, I only got like two hundred views. And I'm pretty sure half of that is me and half of that's my family. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, and I don't care because they exist. You've made it. Yeah, and they'll exist after I die. You know, I don't have to go deep, but like, you know, they'll exist after. Oh no, 100% agree. They'll be there forever. So it's sort of like a... Do you ever make hard copies of your films? No, I'd love to. I think you should. I've only just started printing out posters and putting them, framing them. That'd be nice. That would be nice. I think that would be like the ultimate goal to have like a little Blu-ray of one of my films or like a collection of the short films, even if it's just for me. I just think it'd be quite nice. Give something to hand down the generations be like look what exactly. grandma made yeah exactly yeah, a little library <laughs> yeah when stuff. when blu-rays are a thing of the past and we're all watching like yeah no one will have a blu-ray <laughs> yeah It'll be holograms um you talked about connor mm-hmm. mr connor lane who yeah. is a friend of both of ours yes he is uh you've probably <coughs> known him for a lot longer than i have mm-hmm. um did you go to school together yeah, we actually went when we went to. We weren't two good friends then, but we went to um, the same drama school together for okay. about five, six years. Um, and he was in the group above me. 
Um, because he's a little bit older. He's part of the the November, September generation. Oh, yeah. And, um, part of the June. Yeah. So um, we knew each other loosely through then, and then we became friends in year year eight, and we stuck together ever since, really. He, uh, mate, honestly, when I watch his, like, videos on, on Instagram of him playing guitar... He's ridiculous. It's, like, mind-blown. I can't like, believe I play piano it. and, like, trombone, but not many people know that. But... Mm seeing people's fingers move that fast right weird sometimes I'll be playing like ragtime and I'll be like gee whiz I'm the boss <laughs> but then I see Connor who's like not even looking like, and like the, the way his wrist is going and you have to you're not only with, with piano you're just kind of pressing buttons in a certain um, order really but with him you know you're twanging certain strings you've got these, I can't understand how he does it. but he's always done it Ever since I knew him, he's always into that. When I knew him, he was a real metal head. He the, well, That's the, the thing. It's like metal stuff, isn't yeah. it? It's like intense and complex. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's just ridiculous. But then you both compose these like gorgeous scores for your films. Yeah. And he, I, I think the I Want It Back one, mm-hmm. um, was that composed by you or composed by him? Uh, no, I usually both? compose the more stuff with like melody. Yeah. to it um, Connor he's great because he the sort of metal guitar stuff he does he has drums anyway and I want it backwards just drums so I just said listen I want a drum like this I showed him a reference and then was that just, him playing drums? no he, that was just a drum machine he just oh. put in the little you know like Logic Works he just yeah. put in these little nodes sort of pencil it in and then yeah and he just kept replaying it and then it was there we go it was done we did that score in about two hours and do you have the film up in front of you like the cut, cut yeah. film? yeah I want it backwards it was the the drums were to sort of have a relationship with the dialogue like it was like an imperfect musical so when you get slapped in the face it's like a cymbal hit like a crash and it's all sort of it complements the melodrama of it and a yeah, bit like um, that. Birdman exactly like the, Birdman the, the New York exactly. street drummer and you think about it, they're both one shots it works because you know it, for, one, for one sequence that never cuts you need like a constant um, musical information or no music at all but you know if you're going to have musical you can't really have these musical ideas you need stuff that's going to come and I want it back it's about an argument it's about a collision of two um, quite ridiculous but interesting kind of egos clashing and to have those drum hits behind it it's it, it, it just worked and he did that all by, he did that all by himself and it was incredible we spent like eight hours on the sound design alone on that one audio file is what we had because it was one boom and I don't think we had any, any any labs either. And then we just did the drums in like 90 minutes or two hours. And it was just like, how the hell? You know? But I know Connor's great at it out. Yeah, I know Connor's so proficient with the software. And although he only does the short film stuff for me and the sound design for me, I know, because I know he's good at it, I can say, listen, just try something else. And then he mm. ends up really, I just think, it. enjoying it. I think. So we've covered screenwriting, crew, music. Um, and like recce's and that that whole process. Now I want to talk about you've made the film, you've cut it, sound design, you've exported it into <laughs> your weird folder with yeah. a hundred different versions of that export. Yeah. I want to talk about graphic design and your poster design. Okay, because I'm going to get your uh, website up. Actually, I just added a poster thing to it. To um, your two Noah, days ago. Is it still Noah Cedar S- Roost? No, no, no. Stwine.com. No, Stwine because. Um, I, when I make videos, especially for like YouTube stuff, um, have you got your own Instagram page? For, no, the posters are on the, the website. If you go to noahstwine.com in the oh, thingy. We'll, we'll, 
I'll keep talking while I'm searching this up. This is yeah, really yeah. bad. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, when it comes to poster design, yes. is there uh, any specific inspirations you have whilst creating them? Well, sometimes I look at a nice piece of graphic design or a poster, usually the fan posters that people make for movies because there's a, there's a weird sort of um, uh, thing with sort of the professional movie industry posters where they have to have the characters' faces because that's in their contract and the characters' names in a certain order and all the credits at the bottom because that's legally what they're bound to do. But then you get the fan posters made and they're more artistic. They have more of a sense and sort of the way posters used to be like if you look at the original poster of like taxi drive which is infamous which is rob de niro and it's like yellow and you're just standing there looking at it, it's all sort of painted a bit mm. um stuff like that is nice because it it doesn't just work as a poster it works as something you'd want to frame yeah quite, um, yeah like i've got the at home i've got the the poster for 12 angry men on my wall which is a really fantastic poster and um dog day afternoon and they're just nice pieces of like art they feel like, and they're not just character name, actor name, sorry, um, and their face wide up or their back to the, you know, looking back at the camera seductively. It's 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 kind of not that. It's 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 a way to interpret the film in like one image, not just using like a frame. And then the photography that you do, you uses I use as a basis, and just see what I do. And it's a lot of playing around. Um, I just finished a. I'll show you it later, but uh, I've done a finished a new Young Young Men poster, the final poster that we'll release, um, and it's different to all of them. And I just, you know, I just love love doing it. It's sort of hard to talk about visual aids whilst doing a podcast. Yeah, right? I, know, I should yeah. have thought this yeah. one through a bit. Um, but sort of like typography and mm. um, you know all the graphic elements, like this one for example, you've got like the GCSE sheet in the background. Oh yeah, I think that's brilliant. Mm. Um, Especially like it's weird seeing like the pictures that I take turn into posters, yeah. And like you've interpreted them in a way that I wouldn't have been able to see whilst taking the image. Like the, all of the um, I want it back posters, for example, like this one where you've got the sort of the superimposed middle finger mm, for like, a pop party. Sort of. Yeah, it's great. So. Um, how was that part of your media course that you had to? sort of no. do a bit of graphic design or was it no, they didn't a, again me. a personal thing that you just adapted on and developed over the years I learned everything I, I did from graphic design and even you know editing softwares and all that on just YouTube, YouTube. like in, in, in the um, in the 2010s the early 2010s we can say now it was just I, I learned everything like there I mean I was on a graphic design course um, in my A levels which I think I dropped out of uh, it was, but it was just very much like here's a picture, like a stock picture. Make it brighter, or just cut them out. I was like, well, I want to do some like more arty things. I want to experiment. So, yeah. And when you've got sort of the Adobe package and you've got Premiere and Photoshop together, it's like, well, why not? You know, I can play around. And I've always liked to do art as well. So I used Photoshop when I did tablet drawings and I used to draw like landscapes and stuff. And it all just sort of. Like I said, it's like Swiss Army. It's just meshes together, really. Quite. But yeah, on the, just overall, I, I just think... Again, it's the same reason why I said I edited my stuff thus far. It's like I know the film almost more than mm, anyone else. Yeah. Um, so it's why not, you know, I should be able to. And I'm confident in I'd be able to make like a sort of decent looking poster, I think. Yeah. So I... I, and, and, I and you can be different in every single one. Like all three of the Young Men ones that I've done they're all completely different to one another. Um, so, 
it's just nice to be able to experiment again it's that Swiss army knife element yeah talking about editing your own work and being able to do sort of offshoots when you're doing like personal stuff and also client work mm-hmm. I think it's just so important to be able yeah. to do you know I when I work with a client it's like they ask me to make a video and I'm like okay I could send that off somewhere to like have the graphics done or I could just do it myself yeah. and have full control yeah. or like subtitling I could just do it myself or if you don't know how to do it you just learn yeah quite you just look learn up how on to YouTube. do it yeah. Yeah. you just look it up on you everything's available it's, it's never been easier to access information and learn stuff learn a language learn a musical instrument there's an app for that you know it's, 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 it's so easy and it's almost like why pay someone when you could do so? I mean, like you know, you want to pay freelancers, and if the, you, if you're at a certain point and you want a professional to do it, then absolutely, you should. We know this before. You should support freelancers, absolutely. But why not? You know, just if you can do it, just do it yourself. I think it's also a lot more impressive when you can sit down. Like I, I literally had a phone call this morning where I was pitching um, to a client and talking about like I can do this and this mm. and this for you, and then you just got it all in one package. Yeah. And then you don't have to think about anything else because you can do it. With film as well, it's a weird one because there's sort of like a bit of an agenda behind short films. It's kind of a, like a joke in the fact that when you first do your first short film, the credits are just like writer, me, director, me, editor, me, <laughs> uh, actors, me. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a double-sided coin because at the same time, I think that I can make posters that justify the film and its themes. At the same time, it's like, oh, I did this as well and I did the music and I did the thing. So it's a bit like, oh, come on, save some for the rest of us. But I don't know. But if you're short films, I'd, it's my thing, isn't it? I, I want to, you know, I'm spending the money to do it and I'd, I'd, I'd love to sort of boost it artistically in whatever way I can. When we talk about, you know, talk, make, making films and making posters, do you have any main inspirations that sort of come together to form these ideas or do you have a specific person that you always go back to you know we were talking earlier and you mentioned when you think of a film you imagine like an actor playing it Mm -hmm. is there like a specific actor that you sometimes think of or is there just like a certain style that you're running through your head in well it's not Matthew McConaughey is it (laughs) no I I it's I think it's easy to say that all art is inspired by other art even if you know it or not because yeah. everything is, at, we're at a point now where everything's probably existed before you. I mean, it's weird to think there'll probably be a point in time where there'll be every single melody would have been done. Like every, every single thing that you could do on a piano would have been composed. So I think, I mean, there's no one kind of really specific. I mean, there's directors that I adore and who I follow. Um, sort of, I'm going, I spent this last year going, watching all the films that I should have watched when I was younger, but I never did. So sort of like the Schindler's Lists and the Shawshanks and the Green Mile. Um, I'm still yet to watch this. I think they're on Netflix. I might, might yeah, have to spend the afternoon watching these films. Dude, I just felt like, listen, uh, people. I know it's great because people have said it's great, but I come on, I should watch it. And uh, I think, you know, someone's told me that in order to, you know, it's one thing to make films, but you need to watch them to understand them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, um, I really understood that more as I've watched more. And for example, the film that I'm going into now is sort of really inspired by like a, a mesh of, of like four or five different films and individual aspects. Like I like the character of this one. I like the setting of this one. I like the structure of this one. Um, for posters, it's, it's an odd one because 
I think with film posters as well, you can like Google and there's like there's only like twenty types of film posters that you can make, really, because it's like one of those like silhouettes or you've got like sort of pop arty stuff or just character posters. So it's definitely one of those things if I'm on Twitter and I'm scrolling down because I follow like these movie poster accounts mm. and I see something that I like, that would definitely make me inspired to oh because that happened the other day when I was, I was thinking oh, I should make another Young Young Men poster for the final one not release it yet I sort of make the posts like six months before I release them sometimes and because I just love doing them and I was just scrolling and I saw one poster for people were doing remakes of all the Oscar nominees for this year in a certain style okay. and I thought that's really cool and that's I was sick. like I want to make a poster now so I just did it just did it yeah and it wasn't like visually inspired it was just oh cool someone else is doing it I want to as well I think that's the crux of everything I, that I do. I just see like, oh, they're doing it, so I might as well. If ever I'm bummed out, you literally just had an epiphany moment there. Yeah, I know. Face, like, hang on a sec. It is. Well, like, sometimes I'm like, God's sake, like I'm spending all this money, and I'm just, you know, and I'm just sort of sitting here, and I'm, I'm upset, that, you know, and this, I'm editing this thing, and it's not working, and then I'll just like go watch a short film or like even something that my friend's done. I'm like, gee, well, they're doing it, so like, I want to do it. Why should they have all the fun? Like I want, I want, I want, I want to do it. There's no reason why I can't do it. So uh, that's 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 really what it is. Because there's always a weird point. I'm in this sort of structure where I will, because um, I've always I've been continuously making short films, and the way that I do that is because I know what I'm going to do before I finish the last one. So there's never a break period. There's never right. I'm going to take a break and I'm not going to think about film at all. There's never that. It's always when I'm in post production for this other one. I've already written the script for the next one. So there's never any break. So I'm stuck in the cycle, which is good, which has motivated me to. That's probably the only reason why I've made the films that I've made. It's because of sort of, it's that discipline. That's really inspiring to hear, actually. Because <laughs> like, a lot of people seem to think that it's just like one project, done, next project. I mm. think that there has to be an overlap. Mm. Um, I, I'm working on fucking everything at the moment. So it's just like you get blends between it sometimes yeah and so like my personal work is sometimes reflected in the client work that i do and like the style that i shoot to edit it mm -hmm. um you know even even doing things like my personal like street journal series that's i incorporate elements of that into work that i do for other people mm. you know like graphics and certain styles of filming and you know sort of trying to pitch that to people and i think when you talk about having projects on the go and sort of having something always coming up, it keeps you fresh and it keeps you, yeah. it keeps you inspired. And, you know, if, if you can incorporate some of your own personal flair into work that you've done for other people, yeah. um, I, I think that stems from having things on the go all the time. You Absolutely. can't, and you, like you say, you're stuck, but it's like a good stuff. It's good. Yeah. You're, you're stuck in this orbit and you keep on going around, but you're, you're, you're anchored. It's like, as much as I love all the films that I've made, I hate them as well. And, and I see them as stepping stones. Because when I finish one film, I sort of just forget about it. I go, well, it doesn't matter about that film now because I'm working on this next one. Like I'm in this weird st interval at the moment where I've finished my last one for quite a while now. And then I'm moving on to this next one. I'm in this weird transition period. But I, I, I look back on them and I say, oh yeah, well they're whatever. But in doing that film, I've learned more and I'm going to take what I learned onto this next one. And if you kind of look at the films, they've gone up in budget, they've gone up in crew size, they've gone up in the sort of even the performances that the actors give because I, you know, the, I'm, I'm understanding more how to speak to them and through it's just trial and error. And yeah, it's 
like I said, it's, I think it's okay to hate your work because it, if you don't hate your work and you're not overly critical of your work, then it won't encourage you to say, well, I can do better than that and I'll show you that I can. And you do it and then you end up not liking that one, you do another one and it's just, yeah, little cycle. Do you ever switch off? Do you ever not think about films? No, it's the first thing I think about in the morning the last thing I think about at night, absolutely. It's a bit of a problem. Because um, it's, it's, <laughs> I wake up in the morning, all right, okay, because I'm in a cycle now where I'm watching two films a day. And, uh, and two films a day yeah yeah so like what four hours of your day is just f- watching well films. you can watch like a 90 minute comedy then you can end the night with like a two true. hour thing because otherwise sometimes I'm just sitting there looking I'm just like looking at my editing project file I'm going mm, that sound can just be like one decibel lower and I'm messing with it for like 90 minutes I'm like I could have been watching a film for this and I'm at a point now where I'm getting more educated from the films that I'm watching than I am entertained by them so it's, it's, it's almost like a nice practice. And then there'll be one film that I watch in one in 20 where I go, I love that. That's amazing. I'm going to go back to the final draft document and put it in the script. So I just see it as sort of you know, practice, but I don't really switch off. Yeah, I've got, I, think every, I think you'd be lying if you said there's, never, there's points where you think, is this for me? But there's nothing I'd rather do. So like I said, it's, I'm trapped. Because I have, I've invested so much into it, invested so much of my time into it, um, but there's nothing I'd rather be doing. So, you know, I I love it, you know, but, you know, sometimes I think, should I just go off and do some paintings, do some landscapes? Become the next Bob Ross. Yeah, if I come and, if I come. Do I mean Bob Ross? Ross? Yeah, Bob Ross, he did uh, oil landscapes. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, very simple, 30 minute ones. I have (laughs) bought canvases inspired by him before. Um... (laughs) But then I'll just, when I have those ideas, it's still always retained in art, but then I'll watch a film or I see a film coming out and I'll be like, God, that's brilliant. I love this industry. I just want to, you know. You mentioned becoming more educated than entertained by films. There is one film, and you'll probably know from, I saw it recently, um, 1917. I did, I saw that it I, I do want to talk about. We'll talk about, remind me, because I want to yeah. talk about it. Um, uh, especially in terms of like, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it yet. I'm not going to talk about it yet. I want to talk about your favourite films of this year. Okay. This is a typical, I'm interviewing a filmmaker. I'm going to ask him what his favourite films are. You've got a list. I've got poor short-term memory. So I'm got, I've made a, there's this app called Letterboxd, which has become more popular in this year. It's sort of a film social media where you can um, log your films, you can list them. It's very good. And there's a few directors on them. You can see what directors are watching. Oh, oh really? Interesting. Interesting. I saw uh, a... What is it? It was Barack Obama's like most listened to songs or something. He put it on his social media. Oh, yeah, I was like, does. what? Does. I never thought of like Barack Obama listening to music. He does his, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he, so does his, he does his top films of the year and his TV shows as well. I saw that. Um, I mean, what do you want? Like a top five or a top ten? Go for it. I'll just go through the top ten. <laughs> yes. Um, this still, I mean, this, I've seen, oh, this, is, this is 2019. Yeah. Right. So, um, and again, like I look at this and I want to change it already, but I'll just go for it. Number 10 was Netflix's The King. Um, yeah. Went into it thinking I wouldn't like it, but it was shot, there was a really nice, have you seen it? Yeah. It's like a really nice opening shot with the sun. Amazing. Like melting into the into the horizon. It's just, and the score was brilliant. And I thought it was just a, it scratches that fantasy itch that I sometimes get post Lord of the Rings watch, <laughs> watch things. Um, nine was Apollo 11, which is the documentary that they made using archived NASA footage um, and of the, the Neil Armstrong uh-huh. sort of um, Buzz Aldrin. Um, thing and it looks like they shot it like it, they re 
It's like the, do you remember the Peter Jackson yeah. um, World War One film? Where uh, he, they redid footage. They took this black and white Yeah, I footage. can't remember the name of it. They Shall Not Grow Old, I think That's it was. the one, yeah. Um, they did it similar here, but it's all in like a widescreen and it looks like they were actually there shooting it. So right. it looks like you're watching a fiction, but it's real footage of them on the moon, etc. And then similarly, eight was Ad Astra, the Brad Pitt sci-fi oh, film. I haven't seen that. It's good. I like midlife crisis films and this sort of delves into that. It's A lot of my films are about midlife crises. It masters different things. So I, I, I do like, it had like an inner conflict. It had like a father and son relationship and it was... It was like a, there's also the, this isn't a spoiler, but the crux of the film takes place on outside of Neptune. That's not really a planet you see in sci-fi no, films. No, it's, like it's Mars or like... Right? It's, wherever. It's, exactly. Star Wars, you I've know. seen that nice blue and it's just like, you, I hadn't seen it before and it shot gorgeously. Um, seven, uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, it was a little indie film. It was a directorial debut by this guy called Joe Talbot. And it's just it had a really good score. The score inspired what the score will be for young, young men. It's not a coming-of-age film, but it's like a, it's these two men who sort of are unsure of their place in the world, more specifically the city that they're in, San Francisco, and they're sort of just learning to love the city that they're in, really. I thought it was charming. Six, Joker. I mean, it has to be. I was Quality a, film. All right, I was so excited for it. And it's a shame seeing all the people say these things about it. I do get it. I don't want to be too opinionated here, but... And a lot of people are saying it's just like a textbook copy of a Martin Scorsese film, and I'm thinking, but there are so many films that you can look at. A lot but of like talent. you said, nothing's created in a vacuum. Like right. everybody's influenced by somebody. You know, I I, I just think I, I think it's a really solid film. It is like a performance film, um, and there were there were things that I was a bit, but I, I really I loved it. You know, I really really loved it, and uh, I'm excited for where it's going to go in award season. And I love Joaquin Phoenix. I think he's incredible. <laughs> He's worked with my favourite director. Paul what was Thomas that film Anderson. that I was in where he, he basically... I watched it recently because I, I hadn't really watched many films with him in it as like a, as a lead mm. role. I think when, when I was watching The Joker, my knowledge of Joaquin Phoenix was him as the guy from Gladiator. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like my only sort I've of preconception of him. That's film I need to watch, Gladiator. I've never seen that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the look on your face. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, I still need to see it, but I've seen the whole when he puts the thumb yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, and then okay, he played like a man who like rescued like trafficked girls, like young oh, girls. It's, it's when he's wearing a hoodie. Oh, it's by Lynn Ramsey. Um, you were never really here. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I thought great. that was excellent. Fantastic. Um, and I'm still yet to watch The Master. Um, Master is brilliant. Like Again, that. like I was saying, Paul Thomas Anderson, which is just, yeah. I think, one of the most exciting. I mean, he's done so much already, but he's just an incredible director. He's like a real pioneer, I think. A real auteur. Uh, oh, and quick plug, uh, he's vegan as well. So he gets a He is, he is. He got arrested at a Jane Fonda rally. Yeah. I love Jane Fonda. <laughs> uh, number five, The Irishman. Right. Just gotta love it. Got to love it. I mean, Scorsese is the GOAT. And you know what? I plonked my beanbag down and I sat in front of that screen and I'll tell you something else. Those three and a half hours felt like 90 minutes. I was just... And a lot of people said, oh, it felt quite long, but I was in that film. And I think I need to watch that again. Maybe. Well, did because you sort of... I... There are certain films where I walk away from and I think about it for like three days. Oh, yeah. When I finished The Irishman, three and a half hours later, mm. I like turned it off, I got up, and then I didn't really think about it again. Mm. And... That might just be because I haven't watched enough Martin Scorsese films mm. and don't really understand his like vibe and what he goes yeah. for. And I love Robert De Niro. 
yeah. all time favorite actor. He's so cool. Yeah. Just well, Al Pacino's he does, he's just cool. So it's just Al Pacino like, as well. Yeah. Well, you know, and um, then coming together, it's just yeah. I, I get it. I I think because I know a lot of people have said a few things about it, but I um I like time in films, and this film showed a big lapse of time. It showed these characters aging. And at the end, not spoiling, but Robert De Niro is a much older guy and you see them acting a lot older and their performances are so brilliant. Joe Pesci. And it's just... I, I, have to, I love the ending. With right. The, the door just like ajar. It's so just, like... Just like how... Um, it's heartbreaking, Jimmy but like, he's it. a gangster. Like, you I know, but you can tell there's regret. Yeah. There's, there's a bit... Yeah, there's a, there's a scene... I mean, it's on Netflix. I mean, there's a quick spoiler, but there's a scene at the end where it's Joe Pesci just before he gets wheeled off to the church. And they're having the bread and wine, which yeah. I've done plenty times. I've seen that film, dipping um, like chia batter I, into I one. I looked it up and it I was is, like, "It's sick. It's nice, isn't it? It's nice. You wouldn't expect it to taste that one. I mean, it's a religious thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, it tastes nice. It tastes glorious. You know, it, it's, it's brilliant. And there's a bit when they're dipping a little, a little loaf of prison bread into like cranberry um, or grape juice, and he goes, "Oh, that's the good grape juice." Yeah. And they're just like cheersing it, and he can't really eat the bread anymore because he's so old, and it's just heartbreaking and then he, the first thing he says is like oh Jimmy was a good guy and it's just that regret it's that age and it's the years to dwell on things and then you got Rob De Niro sitting on the bench and the FBI is like there's no one left alive if you tell us what happened it doesn't matter no one's going to be incriminated the only people left alive are the Jimmy Hoffa's family mm. and he's like no I'm sticking to mine I'm sticking to it and it's just I think it's just epic I think it's just a real swan song for Scorsese Similar to how Once Upon a Time is for Quentin Tarantino. You can tell like he just wanted to make that and he loved doing it. Number four, Little Women. Uh, Greta Gerwig's adaptation of the book. Uh, I just loved it. I came. I really wasn't expecting to, to like it as much as I did. I sort of punched the air after I watched it because it was just so whimsical and, and warm. And the char- I'm going to write some of these down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can, I'll send you over the list as well. But I just, I just loved it and had a great score by, I think it was Alexander Desplat. He does a lot of, um, I think he does Wes Anderson stuff. It's like whimsical, sort of plucked harps and strings. And mm. it's just lovely to watch seeing this like coming of age movie with these women, grow, these girls growing into women. And it's, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed it. Uh, third, The Farewell, which was um, Lulu Wang directed it. I think it was her debut. Um, and it's just amazing film. It's about this, um, this, um, Chinese-American, she goes to China because they have this tradition, which actually exists in China, where if the grandmother is dying, they'll hide it from her because they don't want her to worry about it. So they'll let her die, but they won't tell her about it because they don't want her last days to be upset. So she'll just go away. And they, they it's like this big, big lie. It's based on a true story about Lee Young's um, grandmother. Oh, and they have to lie weird. to them. So it's like them hiding like the cancer documents and running around and making sure like the whole family's there for when she eventually passes away. And it's just, you know, one of those films where you finish it and it was just so brilliantly done and it made you want to like both like punch the air and call your grandmother. Yeah. It just made, it was so warm. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was brilliant. I recommend it. It's really, really good. I, I personally think it should have been nominated for some stuff. But Second is Manos. Uh, I saw it at the BFI. Film festival and I it won the best film there. Uh, is that this, a, another independent? Yeah, film? it's this Colombian film during set in the Colombian civil wars and it's this sort of coming of age film. Uh, I put wrote some of my thesis regarding it um, and it's sort of about these young this group of young teenagers going through with this hostage and they're just kind of going through this jungle and they're sort of they're adolescents so their decision making is askew but their morals are 
are unjust and it's just like Platoon in a way I haven't seen Platoon it's um oh what's his name I can't remember his name very young um he was in Two and a Half Men what's his name I don't know um sort of uh, again like a very young soldier yeah um oh, I can't remember his name Charlie Sheen very oh, young yeah, Charlie yeah, Sheen yeah, yeah, yeah. um and uh again I, I haven't seen this film that you're talking about but I can imagine it's a very similar sort of yeah it's just and it's composed by one of the best composers working today even though she's only done a few things she's called Misha Levy or I might be pronouncing that wrong Mika Levi or something like that um, she's only done like this film called Under the Skin um, which I loved which is one of the best horror not horror films ever it's like a sci-fi-ish sort of film but the score is you might have probably heard the score because it's considered one of the scariest scores I feel like I've listened I've, I feel like I've seen Under the Skin you probably have it's Scarlett Johansson walking around in sort of Glasgow oh yeah and she's like an alien she's like a weird alien yeah yeah Nico was telling me about this the other day actually yeah it's fantastic is it, what's it on is it on Netflix Jonathan Glazer directed it I think I'm gonna watch that yeah it's brilliant because I've been told about that by so many people I need to watch it and then she did this one called Jackie which was a biopic about um, Jackie Kennedy um, oh yeah post uh, the assassination and the score behind that as well I mean I know you like music I would just type in Mitchell Levy and just listen to some of the stuff because they you know when the score is good because it exists outside of the visuals that it's that it's supporting um, like the marriage is there but it exists only but it not only exists separate it's like stupidly good and it's original it's like using instruments in a way that you wouldn't have even mm, thought yeah. before so and it's another score by her and she only did um, I think I think it was 20 minutes of soundtrack um, for this film Monos which is about two hours long and they use and the same songs are used throughout it but it's just like so intense it elevates it and number one here you go drum is, roll is, is you probably know it's called The Beach Bum it's a film by Harmony Corrine who did films like uh, Spring Breakers um, I think it was called or Trash Humpers Gummo he's this really straight <laughs> you know he's, he's brilliant but he's this alter um, guy and it's the whole film is about this Matthew McConaughey plays this lovable oh, stoner hell yeah. called Moondog and it's this odyssey where he's this poet he's rich and he hangs around with Snoop Dogg who's called Lingerie in it and he just gets up to these little quests with like Martin Lawrence and Snoop Dogg and he's just continuously he's like drunk but he never has a hangover he's constantly high he's doing acid you know he's having sex all the time he just has a care in the world he's driving around on a speedboat and it's just like this film where I was, I was watching it I was like oh my I'm having the time of my life and, and Matthew McConaughey is given like such good performance like they are like high when they're doing it like the entire you can tell like everyone was just you know absolutely stoned when they were making the film but it works and they do this really interesting thing where there's a conversation between for example me and you they'll shoot it three times two times when we're on this sofa that we're on now one time when we're up there and then one when we're down the hallway and they'll splice them together so I'll go how are you doing and you go yeah I'm fine today and then I'll go so so what are you doing and then you'll say oh I'm up to this but now you'll be up there so it's weird. It's like you're meshed. The, the scene is like meshed together with these people cool. traveling around. It sort of trips you out a bit, but it's like it's it's brilliantly done. And the color in it is shot on um, I want to say sixteen millimeter, but it could be thirty five. It just looked gorgeous. Like I think it's set in Florida. Jonah Hill's in it, and it's just you see these beaches and him just laughing, wearing like these women's dresses. Uh, 
with the cobras around his neck and he's playing the bongos and he's talking about how he just needs to finish this book. <laughs> this poet's like, this is a magnum opus and it's just a delight. And I've, it's the film that I've watched, I think rewatched the most, might be ever. It only came out last year. Um, I don't know if it's got UK distribution yet, but I've watched it about four or five times. And everyone I've showed it to have said like it's their top 10 of the year as well. Really? Yeah, because it goes under notice because people have had mixed opinions on the director. Um, because they think some of his work is quite, I don't know, trashy. I don't know, like quite, I don't know what to describe it. There's a film called Spring Breakers, which is just, it's, I, I quite liked it, but it's just like James Franco playing his pimp. And you have these four sort of Selena Gomez, Vanessa Hudgens, you know, kind of just walking around the beaches. I found that Selena Gomez is in films. I watched um, yeah, uh, The Big Short this morning. Oh, I haven't seen that I, I finished while. it off. Um, I started it yesterday and I, I managed to catch the last like half hour mm. this morning. Um and Selena, like all these people are in it. Like, you're just like celebrities, and it's like, how do you end up in that situation? I know it's weird. Um, I Margot think it's Robbie and Margot Robbie, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if you've seen. I, I heard about this on another podcast, um, where Matthew McConaughey's now got an Instagram. Have you come across this? Oh, I might have. Yeah, I think I might follow. It him. is the funniest thing. He's a professor now as well. He it is it. so funny. He does this one scene. He does this like, it's his first video mm. and I'll see if I can find the video. Um, and he's saying like, <laughs> you know, um, is that Anthony Hopkins? Sir Anthony, yeah. Um, sort of went a little bit off the rails a, like a couple of years ago and he just put on these like weird videos online. I do mean Anthony Hopkins from... Um, Starts the Lambs, I think it was. The... Uh, Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter, the original yeah, Hannibal yeah, yeah, Lecter, yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Oh, I love him though. I, I, he like is videos so and he's like playing cool. piano, he's got his cat, and they go, Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, he's just yeah, a bit, bit horrible, but Matthew McConaughey is like taking it to the next level. He's like, I want the monologue without the dialogue. <laughs> and all these like weird things. It's so funny. I just love him so much. I love yeah, he's him great. so much. If you love McConaughey, then you'll love this film. It's similar to there's these guys called the Safdie brothers who directed Good Time and Uncut Gems, which is out at the moment. I've been told to watch Uncut Gems as yeah. well. They're these sort of... They're With these, Adam Sandler. Yeah. And they're these directors who, when they cast people, it doesn't matter really who they cast, even though it's great who they cast, you know that they're going to transform. You know that they're going to... So for the Safdie brothers, who are like mainly New York-based films, they dress up their characters. If you see what they did to Robert Pattinson and... Um, good time they like dressed him in like they're almost unrecognisable they bleached his hair they had him in these like red hoodies he was so bright he just looked completely different and they act completely different they act sort of like people you pass in the street they're not playing they're playing characters but they're not at the same time and the same so if the Safdies do it with sort of the grit of New York um, Harmony Kareen does it with sort of the you know the what do you call it the, the east coast sort of the Florida the sort of the Hawaiian-esque colours and, the, and the, the people you'd find, the stoners you'd find on the beach and like bikinis and Hawaiian shirts and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, they're exciting to watch because it could be cast anyone in it and you're just like, oh God, what are they going to do with it? It's crazy. But I'd, yeah, I'd recommend Beach Bum. That's my top 10. I'm going to watch it. That's your, that is Noah's Twine's top 10. Of 2019. Of 2019. Of 2019. So I guess the next question can only be, yeah. what is your favourite film of all time? Right put you on the spot here it changes I th it's so difficult because it changes probably every month every time someone asks me uh, if you'll let me I'll say three that I, I just think because I can't say between right. 
of all time. Because one of them I only saw. If you say Lord of the Rings 1, 2, and 3, you're no, leaving. No, 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 no. <laughs> Those are some of the best films ever made. They're not in this three, but they are some, you know, they are five star in my opinion. Uh, 12 Angry Men. I think it's the best script ever written. Uh, it's one of the most impressively shot um, things, even though, it's, I mean, it was, you know, it's all in black and white, but just the way the camera moves and how it's, it's do you know the kind of the crux of it? No, Angry Men. So it's, you know, it's kind of the jury duty. So you have 12 different strangers deciding whether a boy lives or dies or not. And the evidence is pretty sufficient. So they're all say, they get around and say, right, okay, let's just do a quick vote. And all 11 of them put their hand up. And then Henry Funder, Jane Fonda's father, puts his, uh, his, 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 keeps his hand down. And they're like, well, it needs to be a unilateral vote, you know. So they're all stuck there. And then one, like, by small thing by small thing, he points out a lot of things in the boy's story. And you never really see the boy apart from one shot. And every, all of the, the table, the 12 people slowly start to realise there's more to this Ooh, than they thought. I, my, my list of films to watch is getting longer yeah, and longer. But it's all set in this room. Okay, and it's so in the middle of summer. Film. It's like really hot. And then it starts raining and the cameras start off really, um, I can't remember if it starts off really low and it gets really high, but it's like the room changes even though you're stuck in the same thing. It changes the way it looks and it's just, it's got one of the best endings I think ever. And it's just, I think the best script ever written. Have you watched American Sun on Netflix? No. I That's, I, I haven't seen the film that recent? you talked about. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it was I last remember, year. Yeah, I think I've seen that. It's the poster of it. It's a guy kind of looking towards a big house. I don't know. If, I, no, I don't I think so. Like it's that. about it's about um, like a mum who turns up to a police station when her son doesn't come home, right? Um, and like, because she's she's a black woman living in America, right? And the white police officer that she's talking to like makes all these judgments on her. Of course, yeah. um, I, I don't want to go into it too much. And then, but then her white FBI husband turns up, and then suddenly there's all this information available. Mm. And the ending of it is just very good. It's like very unexpected. No, I'll, I'll, I'll whack it on the uh, the watch list. It's, it's really good. It's, it's, Netflix, uh, it's not it? very long. I think it's only an hour and a bit, maybe. Okay, but it's good. It's like a one room kind of thing. That's what sparked my memory. Yeah. Um, I watched that. What, what's number two? I'll get the one that I watched a few uh, I think I watched it last week so um, one of the first David Lynch no it's not lie. Um, I've watched The Elephant Man David Lynch um, he directed this film that's considered his most digestible because he's a bit of a skew F guy he's a bit his films people say they don't really make sense but they don't have to make sense but they're like abs- like weird you know and uh, it's a film called The Straight Story and like I said I like films about time mm-hmm. and it's about this guy this wonderful wonderful actor um his name eludes me because I've never seen him in anything before and he died two years after it killed himself and it just makes it even more sad but it's just this guy who he's old, he's getting old and he you know he falls over in the uh, in the and he's caught and he gets taken to the hospital and they're like well, we can give you this but you're just getting old and they're like well and he's like no I don't care I don't care so then he gets a phone call and his brother has a stroke and he hasn't spoke to his brother in like 10-15 years at all, no communication, but because he's so old and he doesn't have a driver's license, he's like, I need to go and see him across state lines. I can't remember, he's traveling from this place called Lawrence. I can't remember where, which state lines is, but then he's going over the Mississippi. And so what he does is he converts his lawnmower and he builds a thing at the back of it. Is it like a black comedy kind of film? No, it's like really like, it's like a spiritual like odyssey about age. And uh, there's humour to it, obviously, because there's just these lovely shots of him just driving down this lawnmower and everyone's like looking at him like, you, you won't get past the border on that. But he doesn't have a licence. He's just going past the... He's just going, you know, 
down these long highways and he says, and people are going like, what have you been doing? You've been traveling for weeks. And he's like, you know, I fought in the trenches uh, in the Second World War. Why should I be afraid of a few cornfields? And, he, he, and it's just like this odyssey. And he meets all these different people along the way, all these friends that he makes. You know, he meets this um, sort of recently pregnant teenager who's running away from home and they have a little discussion of age between each other and he meets these cyclists and he's because he, he, there's no brakes on this lawn where he goes down this hill and the thing breaks and he meets this family and the family's got a grandfather and he goes to this pub and they share war stories together that they haven't told anyone because there's that weird bond between people who served in the in the wars mm, yeah and um, it's just brilliant and uh, i won't say what else happens in it but it's just one guy going across the state you see him it's lovely kind of american music it's just I I finished watching it. I was like, God, I just cannot wait to rewatch that for years and years to come. Like it's just exceptional. And number three, I'm gonna need to get up this app again because I need to see what I'm <laughs> is it called Letterbox because of like the Letterbox effect of I think cinema screens. Yeah, I think that's it is. quite nerdy, but also quite cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a really good app. I would uh, I would promote it. I'm gonna write this down. But you can sort by your highest rating. Letterbox. Oh, I know it should be in my thingy. I'm going to include a list in the show notes um, of all the films that you've recommended people should watch. Yeah. And all the films uh, that I'm going to watch as well. I cannot believe I forgot about the film because I was literally mentioning it earlier. Dog Day Afternoon, Al Pacino. Um, it's when Al Pacino had this really high voice. It's voice. It was, it's, which I love. It's the same voice he had in The Godfather because his voice, he's had two different voices, but both are great, but he's almost like a different person in these, in these old ones. And he's playing, based on a true story, Dog Day Afternoon, directed by Sidney Lumet, same guy he did, 12 Angry Men. Mm-hmm. And it's, this, uh, it's a strong inspiration for my next film. It's about a group of bank robbers. It starts and they're going to, they're kind of an, an ill-planned event they go into this bank and things start going wrong. They take these sort of 10 hostages, but they're not, they start as the hysteria grows, they start to become friends with the hostages. You learn more about this character and you've got all these police outside and crowds start and it's revealed that he's gay. And then you have all these um, activists come and protest, like this is why the police, police brutality, he's having all these phone calls and it's all, again, they're stuck in this bank. And he's on the phone to the police and they're saying, what do you want? He's like, I want a plane. I want, a, you know, I want pizzas. I want soda. And he's sort of like becoming friends with this police chief through megaphones. And it's just fantastic. It's just brilliant. It's another incredibly well-written script. Mm. And uh, again, I like kind of films in fixed planes of time. So it just all takes place across this one afternoon. And things get worse and worse. It's like a, a typical Shakespearean comedy of errors. It's, you know, it's just brilliant. It's so entertaining. It sounds great. Well, we've got a good list of films to watch now, so... Um, <laughs> Sorry if I was rambling on then, but... It's, no, it's... Re- you know what? It's, it's actually <laughs> so nice to listen to somebody talk about something that they know something about. <laughs> spend so much time listening to people who just haven't got a clue. And like, it's so nice to hear, like, a familiar voice talk about things that they're so passionate about. I just love it, you know, man. I just, yeah. Um, I, I saw... I can't remember which director came out about it, but they had some pretty... Um, I wouldn't say derogatory, but, like... Uh, controversial opinions on um, the like, Marvel franchise. Martin Scorsese. Was it Martin Scorsese? Yeah, it was the Scorsese. What? <laughs> so I've got, this is the question. Is the Marvel franchise real cinema? 
I can't. You, you do it. This is exactly what happened to Scorsese. When you got put on the spot and you said one thing and it's escalated. Um, Bear in mind, this is going to frame the rest of your career. Now. I know, exactly. <laughs> come back to haunt me. Listen, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's, it's everything is cinema, I think. Well, not everything. You were talking about those travel videos. Those aren't cinema. But like, I think this is a case of the old and the new. I think this is... And I find it I find it difficult because I know a lot of people who are very I'm not at all passionate about the MCU. I go and see every film because I want to be on top of that pop culture zeitgeist. And there are films that I genuinely love. The Spider-Man Homecoming one I loved because it was like a coming of age film. It wasn't really a, a big superhero film. Um, but the word cinema, I feel like because Scorsese said this himself, I feel like he's part of the reason the word cinema exists. Like, his films encouraged what people define as cinema. Him and, you know, uh, Coppola and uh, Lamette and yeah, Scorsese, I just feel like those were the pioneers of, of that era that people referred to. When you know people go, oh, what cinema then? The Godfather. That's what people attribute. That's what Coppola did. Um, but people are enjoying these films. Right? And I'm sure people probably said when Star Wars first came out, oh, this is a bit, this ain't, you know, Woody Allen, this ain't what we used to. So, yeah, I, I think as long as people enjoy them, that's fine. I only worry about how far it can go and how, you know, because I understand that it's become, these super films have become a vessel for indie directors to get their, their foot start in the industry. Because, you know, the producers see like a small little indie film. They're like, wow, he could do that on a one million budget. What could we do? What could he do with, you know, 50 million? And, uh, you know, and that's why they get horror directors usually some now to direct these superhero films. Because the horror directors are fantastic at working under a small budget to make things that make a lot of money. Because horror films make a lot of money because you can get a, an actual audience reaction out of it that isn't crying. It's just, mm. you know, a jump scare. So, um, you know what I mean though? Like, it's not discrediting horror films, no, no, but you know, sure. like, I, I know exactly what you mean. if you jump scare people enough or just scare people, they'll think, oh my God, that was incredible. I, I felt things, my heart was going. So, yeah, I just, I just worry that there's too much of it, especially how much Disney own. And I'm glad that we've had a great amount of like original films this year. And, you know, The Farewell being one of them. And the beach bum, but I yeah I just I just worry that I mean there is a superhero fatigue and it's coming, and there are a lot of I in my opinion MCU films that feel the same, and ones that I go and see and I know that I'll never watch again, so yeah I just I I I have like blackouts where I haven't seen films like I haven't seen Black Panther and everybody said that was really good and I was like mm. okay yeah I mean or like you know certain, certain um. Like I think I've I think I've seen all the Iron Man films, mm. but for me, like especially the Star Wars thing, because I love the Star Wars franchise. I think for me, when it comes down to what cinema is, if you can hold a rapport with like four generations, yeah. So like, well, maybe not four, but like my dad remembers going to see Star Wars, yeah, same one. And I remember watching the first, the original three Star Wars films when I was like eight, nine, ten maybe, and not fully really understanding it, but then like watching it later, and then like six other films to watch. So like the 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 three that are supposedly like the prologue films. Do you like the prequels? Uh, 
I, I, I like the first and the third one. Yeah. Um, no, that's fair. Not a big fan of the second Tank one. Clones. Yeah, no, I love them because of how nostalgic they are. I just love, I also love Mace Windu. Like, he's just cool. Right? He's, it's he's, just so it's just Samuel Jackson. Just like, I can't not love Samuel Jackson. I loved how different it was. I mean, again, you can comment on whether structurally they were great films, but I think the fact that there was a so, it was such a different turn, like seeing the politics of a, of a, of a galactic empire, of democracy, and, 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 and how this, the Palpatine can play. Uh, these sort of politicians, similar to how po- our politicians do, and it was it was it was fantastic to see that rise to uh, to power. And yeah, I I I, you know, I love Star Wars as well. I, I think had a great soft spot for them. And then obviously the the most recent three films, yeah, which I I, I think they're incredible. I think they're brilliant. Mm. I, I thought I thought the last film, I liked the film as a whole, and I now found out that. A lot of stuff was cut from that film that I don't think they, they should have cut from that film. They leaked the other day. Yeah, mm. and if you see the original storyboards of the film, like, all, and you know, especially when you start asking George Lucas to come and like, help you out, yeah. like you sort of need to address that a little bit. But so hopefully they, they they bring out a few extra bits, some bonus features. Or I really liked Rogue One, the anthology stuff that they've done. I even liked Solo, which I knew a lot of people didn't like, but I thought I haven't seen Solo. Yeah, I really liked it because it was new. It was sort of it was. Because I think, and it's been said before, this isn't really in my opinion because I've seen it ev- everywhere, that the new films, the new three, they're very much inspired by the original trilogy. There's a lot of elements, especially in The Force Awakens, which is my favourite of the three. Um, I just think, it, 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 you know, it, you could tell it relied on nostalgia. Is that the like, first or second one? Force Awakens was the first one. First one. Because nobody knew where it was going to go from there. Yeah. And I thought Kylo Ren was at his best in that film. I think Kylo Ren is the best character of the new films. Because uh, he's just really interesting. It doesn't matter that he's um, Han Solo's son. Um, spoilers for those who haven't seen The Force Awakens. But uh, the, just the fact that he was having tantrums. <laughs> but the fact that he was having tantrums and stuff. Yeah. And, and, and just getting annoyed and just destroying stuff because he's angry. I was like, that's, that's, that's so cool. Like, yeah, that's cool. amazing. That's so, you know, his like, lightsaber is unstable, just like he is. It's, 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 it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, no. Star Wars is a good, it's, 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 a, it's a nice little franchise. But again, I do worry that it will sort of lend a bit too much from sort of what is making the most money these days, which is superhero stuff. We've managed to, I think we've topped our time from last time, despite... How long have we gone for? I think we about an hour and 20. Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say three hours. Like, oh, <laughs> crap. Hours. It's dinner time. <laughs> yeah, um, shit. I, I think we're going to wrap it up awesome. here. I've got one last question. Uh, well, it's not really a question. It's, have you got any advice for young filmmakers and directors out there like any, any like it could be one thing or it could be a progressive uh, number of things it could be just some general life advice uh firstly i'll say i am just a guy making films like don't take my advice too seriously because i'm in no position to do it i'm not part of the film industry um who knows if i ever will be i'm just making films because i love it so that's that's where I'm coming from. So don't take this as a blow my own trumpet sort of thing. Um, I would say, uh, watch as many films as you can. Watch as many short films as you can. Learn the diff- If you're going to make short films, learn the difference between short films and uh, feature films because there is a difference. You know, you don't want to make a scene from a feature film because that's not a short film. That's a proof of concept. Uh, 
stick to your guns. If you like something uh, and, you, and you make it, you, you know, you, sorry, if you want to make something, you've got to like it as well. You've got to be passionate about it because there's been nothing worse than spending a lot of money and a lot of people's time on something that you're not confident in. Because you've got to remember when you're doing these short films with a lot of people who, with crew members who, I mean, actors are paid, but when you're working on student short films, the crews usually aren't because they're doing it for experience, but they're still on your time. So there is like a, you know, you've got to always keep that morale up. And I would, I would also say what we were talking about, that cycle. I would say get into one of those, like I've done. It's not hard at all. Because, I, I mean, I even, I remember when I was doing one of my first films, which didn't even, wasn't even made, but we had a, even like a newspaper article about it in, in my local paper. And I even said, I was because I was asked, and I was saying, because I was one of the reasons I was making it, was people were going, yeah, I want to make that stuff, but I'm not, I don't have the right friends for it. I don't, have, I don't know any actors. I don't know any stuff. And it's like, it, it's never been easier. It's still hard and it's still going to be a challenge, but it has never been easier to make short films. And if you want to do it, there's nothing stopping you. You've got feature films made on smartphones now. It's like, go and just go and do something. And naturally, you know, I look back on my first stuff now and I'm thinking it's, it's appalling. But some people like it, I suppose, and I'm happy that they're there. But, you know, you've got to be able to go forward and reflect and just keep on making stuff. So get yourself into that cycle just say, I'm going to do this. Maybe just like write five scripts and go, right, I'm going to do them one by one by one. And even if you don't do all five of them, you might have another idea and you do that and you do that. Because you'll find that as much as probably writing your first short film, as much as it's probably going to be hard to write, once you write the first one, it's going to be so much easier to write the rest because you would have done it once and you'll have learned enough that you'll be able to do it more and there'll be a gradual improvement. And yeah, just a lot, a lot of directors really say, and the thing, it's just like, just make movies, just do it. Really? Because no one's going to do it for you. Boom! There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. Very well, good. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Noah. Well, thank you very um, much for having me. It's um, been a pleasure, as always. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Where can people find you? Uh, Mentioned your website. London. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me at noahstwine.com. Uh, you can find me uh, on Vimeo, Noah Stratton Twine. Yeah, just type in my name, really. If you want to see my short films are on Vimeo, you can access them via my website. I've got a production company and a distribution company called Cedar Roost. Um, you can see some stuff there. Our website isn't under maintenance at the moment and has been for a while. But uh, you can we've got social media, so you can see what I'm working on and what my friends are working on. And, yeah, that's where you can you can find me. Twitter, Noah S. Twine. Letterboxd, Noah S. Twine. Letterboxd. Instagram, Noah S. Twine. There you go. Keeping it simple. Yeah. I like it. Continuity. Cool. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversations Over Coffee. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions that you would like future guests to answer, be sure to send them over to samholtcoffee at gmail.com and we'll be sure to answer them in the next episode.